Hi, and welcome to the Family Life Canada podcast. We are Neil and Cheryl Josephson. Together we lead Family Life Canada. You know, the mission of Family Life Canada is to bring help and hope to every marriage, every home, every family in Canada. And who doesn't want a little help, right? Wherever you're at, we always would like to be a little bit stronger, a little bit better. So there's plenty of help on this podcast. And we also need hope, especially some of us. Some of us are looking for a spark of encouragement, a hope, a reason to keep going on, a belief that things will get better. And so that's why we're super happy with our guests today. We're going to introduce you to them in just a minute. Mm -hmm. But first, we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, Compassion Canada has joined with us to uh, bring these podcasts, to make these podcasts available. They're working harder than ever these days to care for vulnerable Mm -hmm. children, vulnerable families around the planet, particularly in this global pandemic. They work through local churches, so they get to care for the physical and practical needs of children in poverty, but they also get to share the good news of Jesus. And that's one of the things we love about what we do is that we try to offer practical help to marriages and families in Canada, but we also talk about the importance of having Jesus at the heart of our homes. So our guests today bring that message home uh, in huge ways. So Tristan and Lucretia Clausen raised in Manitoba, We met them at a weekend getaway in Niagara Falls, and now they live on Vancouver Island. (laughs) A nine iron from the Pacific Ocean, isn't that what you told me? Yeah. Yeah, Hey, well, welcome to the the podcast, you guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And you told us you were surfing today. Yeah, well, yesterday we we had to work today, but yesterday was a surf day. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Hey, we get to talk to a lot of uh, marriage experts on this podcast, but we also like to talk to real people who have kind of real stories, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. real couples who encourage others just by sharing their story. And so that's why we wanted you to come on the podcast today. And so would you be willing to tell us a little bit about, uh, just share a little bit of your story with us? Sure, absolutely. Um, our story is, it's colorful, it's uh, its full, but uh, we've started probably much like everybody else who decides to get married, young, in love, excited. Uh, you pick your favorite person in the world and then you marry them. And, uh, and we did that and we started our family and built our careers and we're just kind of on a move, uh, trying to do what was right and had good interests in, in our hearts. Um and, and just kind of going one day at a time, but but uh, I, there there came a time, there came a day where where we we kind of began to drift away a little bit. Yeah, I guess we when you're maybe when you're young, you don't realize as much, but when when you get married, you each bring your your own family experiences into the marriage, and uh, we're thankfully actually from good families, like we had good foundations. We we're uh, from families of parents who loved each other and, and, uh, but, but we started seeing some of those differences early on in our marriage and, uh, we, we were doing okay. You know, we were always trying to do the right thing. And, and, uh, we, we tried to, you know, raise our kids the right way. When we had kids, we tried to work well and we tried to volunteer where we could and be involved in our church. And, and, um, yeah, we went on lots of dates. We had fun. Like our marriage is actually going, uh, quite well. But um, you're a butt coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a butt. I think a, um, butt. a few years into our marriage, maybe we were married about eight years or so. Hey, five. Oh, five years. Five. Yeah. Um, we had a bit of a, a trauma in our family or a, a traumatic experience, I guess. And, and I don't want to put too much weight onto it because I know lots of people go through different types of trauma. 
Um, but for us, it, it uh, came in the in the form of a, a divorce uh, in our family of some people we really looked up to. And uh, it kind of it, especially for me, it, it shook my foundations or it shook shook what uh, what I had thought was really good. And, you know, something that we even talked to, hey, we'd love to have a marriage like like this couple, like we'd love to have this type of marriage. And and then when it broke, we really started or I at least started second guessing all kinds of things, even in our own marriage. Oh, OK. So, yeah, I guess that was that's kind of the, the beginning of our, I guess we'll call drift or uncertainty in our life. And 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 for me, like I started looking for, I guess, satisfaction or enjoyment and things that were maybe not connected to our marriage. So spending time with friends and, you know, doing sports or just trying to like um, be involved in other things and maybe just make the busyness cover up the pain. Yeah. I guess we didn't, we never really like took time to process. process, Yeah. Like what was all going on, but we just tried to keep going with life and we actually weren't even sure where to turn. Like we didn't know who to talk to about this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, but, but we had a pretty good marriage. And so we thought we'll just keep, keep doing what we knew how. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think with, Without a plan, you're destined to fail. And uh, we didn't have much of a plan going into this. So um, as I started spending more and more time away from home, um, we started to experience a little bit more um, separation in our marriage where we almost had two different worlds. You know, there okay. was Lucretia's world and then there was my world. And I don't know if we did a very good job on connecting the two. We both we didn't do a very good job. <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. We both sort of went our, our own way. Um, so, yeah, I guess over the, the next couple of years of, of some of these choices, um, our marriage took a, a, a turn for the worse and uh, it resulted in some poor moral choices uh, for myself and some addictive behaviors and choices. And I think underneath just trying to mask some pain or some hurt or, uh, and not really knowing where to turn to in all this. Yeah. And meanwhile, on the home front, I was seeing this fall happen. I could tell um, that Tristan wasn't, he wasn't doing okay. And then Um, add some addictions and the discovery of poor immoral choices. Uh, I could see the marriage just crumbling and I would be uh, the spouse that I didn't want it to end. I didn't want to, I didn't even, I didn't want to have a bad marriage. So what would you do to create healthy conversation or to create a healthy home environment and making sure when you came home, the house was clean and, Harris did and (laughs) and it's trying you try and do what you can like I I was just trying to to make the marriage yeah kind of pick up the pieces or puzzle whatever was all broken together but uh, in the meantime I would discover deceitful emails or lies Um, just it wasn't we weren't communicating correctly and it was just slowly all coming to the surface over a matter of time and I could see the extent of how poor and how bad shape we were in. Uh, but I felt so helpless. Like 
I can't say or do anything to change your mind and our family will crumble right before my eyes. Wow. So can I jump in here? Like, like I, I think I heard something and tell me whether I heard it right. So you have this uh, traumatic thing happen in your families, the disillusionment, the pain, whatever that happened when this couple divorced. And then I think I heard you say, but you never really talked to each other about it. I mean, you were sort of struggling with it and it was bothering you and you kind of went that way to try to medicate or distract yourself or whatever. Yeah. And Lucretia, so you didn't really talk about that. And then when you saw and felt Lucretia, the drift from Tristan, I heard you say, man, I tried to be a better woman. I tried to be the the perfect person, but I still didn't hear you say you guys managed to talk about it. Is it, am I hearing right? We couldn't fix the problem. I think Tristan has a fixer heart, maybe like lots of men. Uh, and he couldn't fix it. Our the the marriage that we saw fall impacted us greatly, and there there was many conversations uh, to and with the the ones we love, but like, but we couldn't fix it. It was ultimately their choice, and I think that left us feeling helpless in that. And with that pain, we didn't know how to. Um, yeah, how do you talk about something you can't? You know, you can't fix. It's not your choice to fix. Yeah, we we basically, I think we didn't know where to put our hope and security at that time. And so we, it just led to some poor choices. And um, I think this all comes to a head at some point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we ended up separating. I I had had enough uh, of being in this marriage and relationship and we ended up separating and, and I moved out and and Lucretia stayed home with the kids. And, and uh, when I moved out, I think some of my, um, choices my lifestyle choices started getting worse and they started getting um nastier and and uh you know i think the bible talks about sin entangling us that that's exactly what was happening like one choice led to another and to another and to another and all of a sudden i ended up in this place where i just thought how did i get here how did i go from one state to another and um, so I was, uh, it all came to a head one night when, when I was out with some friends and I had ended up getting into a fight uh, and, but I was, uh, I, I didn't remember, you know, the whole event and I didn't remember the process. Uh, and, and I ended up going back to my apartment where I was staying. And uh, in the morning I got a visit from the police saying they wanted to talk to me. And uh, so I went in and, and talked to them and, and they said that I had hurt someone and, and I, I didn't really remember what, you know, everything that happened. Um, but they had to go through their process of um, dealing with it. And uh, part of the process was be, uh, it got a little later in the day. So they had to keep me overnight. They had to keep me in this this holding area. Uh, and uh, it wasn't nice. It wasn't very pretty. Um, I'd never been in a situation like that before. I'd never been in a you know, in a jail cell or anything, I'd never been in trouble with the law. And, and uh, I just remember many people in there saying, you know, Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And, and, uh, you know, I told them what happened, like I got into a fight and I hurt someone and, and they thought, well, that's not anything to be in jail for, you know, uh, I've done this and this and this and this and this and this. And uh, so they were almost making fun of me and they said, Oh, don't worry, you'll be out in the morning. And, and, uh, the morning came and went and, uh, and somehow my paperwork got misplaced and I ended up having to stay in, in there for another night. And it was during that night when everything in my life sort of changed and things kind of came to a head. And I had to ask myself some really serious questions. 
Um, how did I end up here? Um, what, what is this darkness that I've got entangled in? Um, there was lots of fear and uncertainty. And uh, I just felt like this list of charges that I had was a lot longer than just getting in a fight with someone. And uh, so I didn't know where else to turn, um, but uh, I found a Bible and uh, I, I started reading this Bible. Somebody had left it there and, and uh, I started reading it and um, I came to this this verse in, in Revelation chapter three, where it says, um, you know, you're not lukewarm or you're not hot or cold. You're lukewarm. So I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And but and then Jesus says, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and meet with them and we'll eat, share a meal together as friends. And it was kind of ironic because I was stuck behind a very locked door. And uh, but I just felt like at that point that God was trying to uh, talk to me about something. And I actually had a long list of charges that I needed to deal with uh, me and him that night. And so I would say that night was a, a night for me that, that began to change everything. So Lucretia, what's going on in your mind while all yeah. this is ha- like, are you aware of this? Uh, so I'm, a, I'm aware that, um, you know, I'm aware he's not living in the house uh, in a way. I remember the moment he drove off the yard. I remember standing there on the driveway together and saying, you know, this is not working. It will be better if we were apart. And, uh, at that point, I had to agree with him. I had to agree, like, this isn't working. Things have to change, and there's no change to be seen. Uh, so when he left, I, I remember going back into the house, and there's our kids sitting there, and I just was like, oh, ready or not, this is it. And um, yeah, wow. at the same time, there was so much peace. I knew the tiptoeing around uh, guarding all my words, being afraid of what the addictions would look like or could look like at different times. All of that was mm-hmm. just, okay, I can change the locks and this is my house and I can do the, the way the way that we had decided to parent together uh, and we weren't doing anymore. I can do this now. So uh, as he was falling and, and getting into his hole, I remember... Um, we were we were learning to stand and becoming stable and i was finding security i found a new job another job so i was working two jobs and and uh our kids were finding comfort in aunties and uncles and grandparents and it was no dream i don't want to make it sound like we were doing great by any means but compared to what we had been trying to figure out for years and the oppression that we were causing in our home for years we were doing uh, significantly better. I filed for a legal separation um, shortly after he left because I there was no reconciling. Our marriage was, mm-hmm. was very, very much mm-hmm. dead and burnt to the ground. Mm-hmm. So Tristan, you have this jail, this literally a come to Jesus experience in jail. Um, what happens then? Obviously you're back together. So can you connect yeah, the dots yeah. for us? How, how did that happen? Yeah, so I didn't really know what was going to happen after that. I just knew that there was a long list of charges that uh, I got cleared up before God that uh, I don't really know how to explain other than just like, yeah, just a, a weight lifted off your shoulders, a burden that you'd been carrying around. And and uh, so I didn't really know what to what to do. So I actually called, um, I, I needed a ride. So I, I called um, Lucretia's dad 
And I said, hey, I need, uh, I need some help. Um, would you be willing to pick me up? And he did. And uh, he actually took me back to his house with his, with, uh, his wife. And, and they took me in. And uh, they spent the next couple of weeks or months uh, with me. And, and um, wow. they, they helped sort through some of the things that I had been dealing with and some of the, the addictions. And I, I still didn't know where our marriage was going to end up. But I was just thankful that I had, um, I, I got rid of this sort of looming darkness, or, or I don't really know how to explain it. I'm blown away that you reached out to Lucretia's mom and dad, <laughs> and that they were gracious and kind to you. Did you know that, that he went to your folks' place? Did you Were you aware of this? Yeah, I didn't understand it either. I remember having words with my dad saying, what are we doing here? And, uh, and he just said, Lucretia, this doesn't mean that your marriage, him coming to live and uh, and uh, recover with us doesn't mean that you're needing to reconcile. Okay. But he's the father of our grandkids and he married you and we'll love him forever. And this is just our, what we want to do. It has, he, I remember him telling me, it's, it's actually none of your business. You don't need to come here to see him and he doesn't need to come to your house to see you and it's its own thing. It's its own healing. And that, that offered me comfort. And maybe in a way he wasn't ever asking for my permission to have the, have him there, but I felt he should have. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember this. I remember you telling us a story when we met you and this was the part of the story that blew me away Mm -hmm. that, um, Mm. that your, your parents, Lucretia showed such grace to Tristan uh, at a time when you really, Tristan, you really, really needed it. And uh, I just I just thought that's such a beautiful picture of what grace can look oh, like. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was the beginning of, of something new in my life. And uh, yeah, they were just so kind and, and generous through the whole process. But I still didn't know where this was all going to end up. Oh, we yeah. didn't have a, an, end, an end goal in sight yet. Okay. So where, where did it where did it yeah. change? Yeah. Take us uh, fast forward. What happened? I think like when he moved in with my mom and dad, I, I was happy for him. I knew like at, in their house, there will be nothing that isn't above table. So that's great. He's going to do well there. That's what happens when you live with your in-laws. It's going to go well. <laughs> but um, the I didn't feel like I wasn't like, oh, good. This nightmare is over and, and this is going to be great. In no time we'll be back together. I didn't feel that. Uh, opposite actually I was still going to advance with the finishing of the separation and uh, just doing great but my second job that I got was at a local greenhouse and uh, Tristan he he didn't have drivers at that time and so he'd have to either walk or or take a bike and he would he would just visit the greenhouse he had never been there before but suddenly he was a frequent visitor and uh, and he, he would have all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) he sure did and he would come and he'd bring an iced coffee and and he'd sit on on the table near to where I wherever I was working and and often it was just quiet it was there was nothing to say we were there was no conversation to pick up from there was nothing happening that we shared at the same time I was pretty private about things in my life personally and where our kids were at I just thought no, it's not your business. Like you've, you've burnt this. There's nothing for you here to grow in. And, uh, so it took, it took a few persistent visits 
and uh, honest and gentle conversations till uh, till things started to we started to visit. I remember even inviting him over after work. Maybe maybe you want to come sit outside around the fire in the evening and, and visit with the kids when they get home from school. And oh oh yes, <laughs> very much like to do that. And and uh, slowly, even while I was at work, he would he would be at home and starting to work on our farm. And he built the kids a rabbit house, and hmm. he kind of just did what he had always done before this trauma in our life had happened. Okay, so. I know there are many more steps, but I want to get to some of the things we want to get to some of the things you've learned from your story. So I'm going to ask you to get to the point where you actually, you were faced with a decision. Do I take him back? Do I forgive? Do I move on? So tell us what happened in that moment. Yeah. So it was another Sunday and I was spending some time alone uh, and I was just praying and asking God, what do I do with this? I can tell there's, there's some good things happening. And I, um, the Lord was just so clear in my heart and so gentle like he is. And he just said, Lucretia, you need to invite Tristan home. And I was like, I don't, yeah, Kate, well, maybe like in 26 years, but <laughs> I don't think so. Not today. And, and God is very clear. And, and I wasn't ready for this step, but God said today it was a Sunday. And so I, I made my way toward to where Tristan was and, and I just offered him, a spot back in our house. I said, I'd love for you to come home. And I didn't mean it actually. I didn't mean that I'd love for him to come home because I was so scared and I don't, didn't have trust. We yeah. have a lot of work left to do. Yeah. No, that's so wise you guys. And, and, you know, when we talk to people with, with really um, moments where they're really separated because of some kind of trauma or misbehavior or circumstance um, and, and they hope it can all just go away in a moment, but it doesn't, does it? No. I mean, you can invite him home in a moment and he can come home in an evening, sure. but it takes time to rebuild. Talk mm -hmm. about that. How did you rebuild that trust? <laughs> we bought this old motor home we called Molly and we took a trip from uh, Southern Manitoba all the way out to the West coast of BC. And uh, we decided that during that trip, we would spend some time together as a family and, and just kind of get to re-know each other a, a bit and not have a schedule or a, um, yeah, we, we just took some time to kind of reevaluate our relationship and the things we were doing in our life and and where we wanted to go. We, we started making a plan and uh, and and everything started changing for us during that trip. We started reevaluating, you know, what we wanted to do with our lives and what we thought was important. And, and we had to make some really hard choices, okay. um, but they actually they were good choices. They were choices that needed to be made. And they led to a much more secure and stable relationship. We'd change where we put our hope, if you want to. Yeah. Say. And we want to ask you about that. But I'm guessing there was a moment where uh, forgiveness had to be asked for and granted. Yeah. A few times. I think that conversation <laughs> happened uh, happened a number of times. Different okay. things would trigger different uh, memories and um, maybe it would get very quiet or awkward or, um, I remember the cell phone for us was a huge issue in our marriage. It was, it was hands off. Your phone is your phone and my phone is my phone. And, uh, so every time the phone would just ding or light up, I would just be like, what, what is that? What's that? What's happening? And, um, I think they're just like, so there's different triggers where forgiveness had to be offered and asked for many times as we learned to what, what happened between us? What? Yeah. 
and from where I was receiving support from family and friends, uh, tremendously, tremendous support um, to where I would, um, in a way, like appreciate that. But I actually needed to turn, learn to turn and uh, put my put trust back into my husband and not in my dad, not in my best friends. Okay. Yeah. And there's the risk in that. I want to, I want to, can I just, I don't want to fixate on a little thing, but you talked about the difficulty with the phones. How did you resolve that? Did you just learn to trust or did you just start to say, you know what, if you need to see my phone in order to relax, I'll let you, or what did you guys do? There's something really cool about like living in complete transparency and openness. There and, is there. Yeah. Talk about that. And when, when you can do that, when you can live a transparent and open life before your spouse, I actually think that's the key to uh, developing a healthy relationship. Yeah. We didn't have that before. We didn't know how to communicate. We had my life, your life, my job, your job, and uh, my phone, your phone. Yeah, we <laughs> we started we started connecting and saying, "Hey, let's just share life. Let's just share everything." And and um, we really committed to doing that. And and that just opened the door for a whole world of uh, new beginnings for us. It was beautiful. Yeah. So no more hiding. You know, we're going to be transparent as we dare, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and the phone stayed on the counter and the phone would he would leave the phone, he would bring the phone to my to my workspace and he would go outside and work in the barn and and you know what? It wasn't always great. I would get the phone and there would be a message and it would be like, "Oh, I don't want to see that or I don't want to Oh, what's happening?" But then we'd walk it through together. And, okay. and that that stuff didn't last very long. It okay. just had to be filtered and cleaned out and washed clean. Yeah. Well, and you, you referenced needing some <clears throat> new ways of doing things. I, I'm, I know that God is part of your story. How, how did, how did God's presence, how did God enable you to bring this back and heal up this marriage again? Mm -hmm. I think what, uh, what we learned from the, the divorce was that you can't put your hope or your trust in a person. Uh, or a, or a marriage or a job, or you can't put your hope and trust in anything other than um, Jesus. And so we both started doing that individually on our own. And, and God was taking us through a process individually. And when we started uh, developing our, our real personal relationship with Jesus, then our marriages seemed to kind of fall back together where it needed to. Mm -hmm. And we didn't actually have to put that much work in it when we were in a good spot spiritually if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah, oh yeah i think no. it makes a lot of That's sense awesome. i think sometimes couples when they're trying to find their way back together they want to learn all the tools and and relational tricks and you know if i use this kind of language or we have these kinds of uh date nights and i i think you you you've cut through all of that and said no we actually needed a change of heart we actually needed god to change our hearts yeah, there's only one tool that that works, and that was yeah. that was Jesus. So, and and so it starts to be like, well, I still have these feelings because you know you're you were really hurt. You guys were really you were really separated, li literally and emotionally. Yeah. So as you start to rebuild, you start going, man, this feels scared to me, but I choose to trust Jesus, and I believe that my partner's trying to trust Jesus. Yep. So yeah. I think this can work, right? It's kind of like that. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. And it was one day at a time. It was absolutely yeah. one day at a time. Um, and then those good habits, those good disciplines, they were they were built in a crisis, but they haven't stopped. They kept on. We, we awesome. were intentional about continuing uh, the same way he sits in the same chair, 
uh, those years back is, is what he does today. That hasn't changed. And that gives me security and stability. If all of a sudden he's got it, he's got his chair, he's got his sitting down chair where he thinks and does his time with, with God and studies and reads his devotions. And that's his spot in his chair. And he, he sat there, um, when he, when the Lord got a hold of his heart the first time and he still sits there today, which to me, that's like, it's going to be good. We're going to be fine. Well, Tristan, when you sit in that chair, do you think of when you were sitting in the cell? Oh, man, all the time. And I think the Bible tells us to remember like where God's taking you from. And we talk about it with our kids and we talk about it with our friends. And we're happy to talk about it with you guys because we actually want to give uh, God glory because it's his story, what he did in our lives and our marriage. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without him. So, yeah, I do think about it often. You know, and, and with this podcast, of course, we have no idea who's listening, but I got to believe that that many of us listening have moments where we go, I'm not feeling close to my spouse and I don't know what to do about it. Um, I think in your story, there's lots of good things to take. But if, if you had one word for somebody mm-hmm. who's feeling a little bit stuck right now, like I really don't know if we can feel close again. How can you encourage them? Yeah. What would you say to them? You know what I would say? Um, just just work on your own relationship with God and and let Him do the work because there's actually no amount of convincing that Lucretia could have done, or no amount of pleading, or she couldn't have changed my mind. I needed a change of heart, and uh, you can't do that for your spouse. You actually can't do that for anyone. Uh, only God can do that. So I, I think that's that's the only trick we know actually is to put our hope in in, in Jesus and. And he's a good friend. He's absolutely trustworthy and completely faithful when everything in life seems like it's not. Uh, he's actually enough and he's a solid rock to stand on. And that's 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 the truth of the matter. Yeah, he is enough. So you guys, how long ago was that? Um, so we separated about three and a half years ago. Okay. So yeah. this all happened in the last three years. Right. Uh Compare the couple that you are now with the couple you were three years ago. Well, we weren't a couple three years ago. We were two broken people uh, with three beautiful kids uh, messing everything up. That's what we were three years ago. And, uh, you know, this weekend we were out surfing like we started our story and and we had uh, somebody house sitting for us in our home. And when we came home, he just said, your home is just so full of peace. I feel refreshed from being here for 24 hours. I Beautiful. I could just be in your house all day and I would just feel like all is well. And I think that's uh, that's just a testimony of what God has done because three, three and a half years ago, it would be mm-hmm. the furthest thing from peace. You would never say peace when you thought of the two of us. So uh, I don't know. I think that would come a long way. Yeah, no kidding. Tristan, how would you describe the difference? Yeah, I would just say like the difference is um, like we're friends. We we learned how to become friends and we learned how to um, care about each other's lives, like what's going on. Uh, we, I'd love to tell you a little trick that we learned. It's, yeah. it's called the weekly marriage meeting. It's so cheesy, but it's so good. It's uh, you, you get, you go for a little walk and it takes like, it can take 10 minutes or an hour or whatever you want, but you just ask four questions. First thing, what did like, you have to say one nice thing you did for that person or that person did for you that week. So you have to compliment them. Second thing is you got to talk about 
you know, some like project or honeydew thing that you guys want to get done in the next week. The third thing is uh, uh, a dream. So like, what's one of our dreams? Like, what do we really want to do together one day? And so we talk about that it can be like short term or long term. And then the fourth thing is we have a chance to share some beefs. You know, there was a beef from the week before. And uh, usually by the time we get to that point, we don't really have too much to share because we've just enjoyed our, our time together. And that just helped rebuild our friendship and our relationship. And and also, you know, all the things that go on with the marriage, like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. But one day we'll get to do this. And yeah, it was it was just a, a little safe a, way of a, having conversations. Yeah, a nice little tool. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. That's fantastic. And we're going to try that. I hope people, some of the people listening try that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. You guys, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. I mean, there's so much to learn and glean from from your journey. And um, we're so proud of you for being willing to share it. And we, I think this is the first time you've kind of shared it in this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and you know what just comes through everything you say and how you say it is that peace word that your friend described your house. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have come to peace with this. Like I don't pick up the edge. You both been hurt and done your share of hurting and, and, yeah. and but, and you're honest about that mm-hmm. and yet yeah. you're peaceful and, and boy, that is a gift. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. And boy, that's what God can offer us. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And we would, just people, we just would want people to know that there's hope and, you know, whatever, whatever situation you're in as dark as it is, like there's actually hope and, and God loves making uh, dead things come back to life. And I think that's what he did for our marriage. And that's what he wants to do for all marriages. Yeah. And on, awesome. that, on that beautiful note, we'll end the podcast because that was just wonderful. You guys, thank you so much for your time. If you're interested in checking in on any other of the Family Life Canada podcast, you can go to familylifecanada.live. You can also find links there to our current webinar series, Great marriages don't just happen because we know that's true. And this week, the topic is sex. And the question we're asking is, how can something so great be so complicated? (laughs) But you know what? By the time you listen to this podcast, it may be out of sequence. But just go to FamilyLifeCanada.live. All the content's up there. Share this podcast with your friends because it is awesome and an encouragement. And also, would you please check out Compassion Canada's We Rise as One campaign. Mm-hmm. It's more important so than good. ever that they're able to keep doing the work they're doing around the world. So uh, check them out and find out how you can get involved at Compassion.ca. So thanks again, Tristan and Lucretia. We love you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us today. Everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.